Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to a Thursday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I am Dan Lobby and I'm joined today by Scott Patsko. Scott, how are you? I am much better now that I'm in air, air conditioning. Uh, even though today's practice was short, it was 90 degrees and I, I feel bad for the players because they're out there in pads and I was melting on the sideline, but I'm good now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be honest, I, uh, I sat this practice out today. It didn't have anything to do with the heat or our Zoom calls were running late and uh, by the time I would have left, I've got a little bit of a commute. I would have showed up. Practice probably would have been over by the time I got yeah. here. But um, I ended up benefiting by that. I was watching the live stream in my nice air-conditioned basement. Uh, all right, so let's talk about, of course, the, the events, the, the goings-on around football right now because, obviously, it's been a, a tumultuous couple of days. It started with NBA players uh, striking and not playing their playoff games on Wednesday night. Uh, a number of Major League Baseball teams canceled their games or chose not to play. A number of NFL teams chose not to practice today. Now, the Browns did practice a shortened practice after they had meetings during the morning, and then they were going to go have more meetings after. Uh, Scott, the, the first thing to, to get to today, all of this, of course, in, in response to the police shooting of Jacob Blake and, and other things that, of that nature that happened, that kind of started this NFL movement back, I guess, in the spring, um, the, the thing that stood out to me, I guess, today is, you know, Miles Garrett has sort of become the spokesperson for the Browns in these matters. He's part of that leadership committee. He's the player that they chose uh, to come out and speak. I, th- I thought he was really good about everything he was asked about. I think he spoke for about 15 minutes today uh, before practice. And he's sort of become the spokesman on a, on a lot of these issues for this team. And, and Miles is a guy that has traditionally been pretty quiet. Uh, and, and hasn't always been, you know, that voice. But he, he's certainly emerging as a leader in, in this department now for the Browns. Yes, I think it's the first time we've kind of heard him in this situation, mostly as he's kind of come out of that shell. He's been talking about himself or things that he was involved in. And this was Miles Garrett kind of being the voice of the team today. And, you know, there are the other people on that committee, that leadership committee. You got Odell Beckham on there, Jarvis Landry, who I think would have been you know, if it had been him talking to us today, I think that would have been perfectly uh, logical. He's the kind of player who maybe you'd kind of expect to do that. Um, you know, Baker, Baker Mayfield's on there. Um, so you have some veterans on there. But, I, but Miles Garrett, I thought, uh, I thought did fine. And he, he addressed a lot of the issues that we've heard other people talking about. And um, he, he got to specifics, too. He didn't just 
kind of generalize that things need to be done. He actually talked about, you know, um, trying to start a petition to criminalize hate speech. I was, and I believe he tweeted just like 10 minutes before practice, he tweeted out a petition for that. So he wasn't just coming up with that on the spur of the moment. He clearly had put some thought into it. Um, but, you know, he, I, I thought he, uh, it was a good moment for him. And, and he clearly was up to, up to the task of being the voice of the team. You know, I, I thought it was good that he closed by, again, talking about specifics and, yeah, it's important to vote. It's important to vote for people in Washington, but don't forget about your state legislators. Don't forget about your mayor and, you know, the police chief or the sheriff if they're elected positions. Um, judges, I mean, I don't think he mentioned judges, but that went into my head, you know. You want to talk about uh, making change in the criminal justice system. How often do you really pay attention to the judges on the ballot? So those kind of things, it seems, are on their mind. And, you know, they wanted to have that brainstorming session afterwards. And um, I'm pretty sure Miles Garrett's going to be a loud voice in that, too. Yeah, and Baker Mayfield echoed some of that afterwards when he went on the, the Browns live stream, uh, the importance of elections. And, you know, he said there were a few guys in the meetings who, you know, kind of like, you know, does my vote really matter? And it just seems like the, the local level came up a lot because that's what Baker uh, sort of echoed in that. And Scott, you and I, you know, we went on that ride along or whatever it was, whatever you want to call it, um, when, when the Browns went and witnessed some bail hearings. Now, Miles was not a part of that, uh, but there were some players who were still on the roster. Kendall Lamb stands out to me as, as a guy who was on that roster. But, you know, it certainly struck those players when, when they sort of witnessed sitting in those courtrooms and seeing these bail hearings. It, it seemed to strike them how the system works and, and how that's really where where it all kind of starts uh, in a lot of these issues. Um, so I, I, think, I think that still kind of resonates, even though maybe some of those guys aren't here anymore, I still think there's that ripple effect and, and things like that resonate. Oh yeah, and, and it was, I think it was eye-opening for some players and I think it was kind of reaffirming things they already knew. There were some players, I know Deverell Lawrence was one of those players yeah. uh, and, and he had had, uh, uh, you know, he had connections to the criminal justice system and he has seen how it kind of worked against people that he knew. And um, but yeah, I just, you know, and we also got to talk to some inmates that day. I think it was Bedford uh, yeah. that we visited the jail and um, you know, so the, the Browns learned how you can make a mistake and then it just ends up spiraling out of control. You know, you're in jail, you come out, you don't have a job and you don't have your driver's license for, you know, six months. And then you make another mistake because you're desperate and you went back in jail and, you know, the, uh, you're, you're, you're a public defender having maybe five minutes with you before your bail hearing and all these different things that go into this. They've, uh, they were kind of collecting that information and, um, and it hasn't really been a situation where they did that and nothing happened. I think it was Kendall Lamb and Chris Hubbard were promoting a, a state Senate bill this off season yeah. that, that dealt with raising the age uh, for incarcerating children. Um, so there's been things that they've been doing and I'm sure there's things that we haven't heard about that players have been involved in, but the Browns, I think, uh, have been a leader league wide in, in kind of addressing social justice issues and trying to figure out what can we do with our platform to, to make things better. Right. And the other thing that too, I think is emerging more and more in the NFL is this idea of player empowerment. And I think that's important because we've seen it in the NBA. Play, players have always sort of driven the message in the NBA. It's a star-driven league. It's the stars that, that make the decisions. The bubble in Orlando doesn't happen if the stars aren't on board with it, right? Something that simple. And now we see 
of course, players striking during a day. Now they're going to resume the playoffs, but they decided not to play uh, on Wednesday. You know, we see the, the ripple effect that that has. And I, I think the interesting discussion here now is, you know, football's got a real opportunity here. If these players, as they're starting to find their voice and starting to realize in a league where maybe they felt like they didn't have a lot of leverage, they actually do have a lot of leverage, you know, that there's a lot of power if these players decide, you know what, week one, we're not seeing the things we don't want to see. So, you know, whatever work, terminology you want to use, boycott, strike, you know, we're not going to play week one. I think that would get a lot of people's attention. Now, we're a ways away from that. I'm sure that's not where anyone wants this to get to. But I do think, you know, the NFL teams, they need to be aware of this. They, they can't get lackadaisical in supporting what their players want to do because players are starting to realize we're the ones out there on Sundays. You can't play games without us. And, you know, I don't think these players are going to be shy about saying, you know what, we're not going to play because we're not happy with what's happening. Yeah, I think there's enough momentum behind this now to where if players did want to, um, you know, boycott the game or whatever, uh, owners and the league would probably be on board with that, um, you know, more so obviously than, than when this all started with Colin Kaepernick. Uh, you're going to have, uh, even if there are some owners who maybe aren't that crazy about it, I think there's going to be enough peer pressure to say, you know what, this needs to happen. Because of everything that's happened all throughout this year, it's just the momentum keeps going. And I think, it, you know, with what happened in, in Wisconsin recently, kind of just lit a fire under it again. And so that's where we are, you know, now today with, with teams canceling practices and like what you said with the NBA um, last night. So it's the momentum has kind of picked up again. And I think everybody's maybe realizing that they, that they have to keep that going. So that's why the Browns right now are talking about what they're talking about. And, and there is a chance that you're going to see teams maybe, uh, you know, deciding not to play to kind of send the message and, and try to make some change because I forget who it was today that, that it might've been Bruce Arians talking about, you know, action and, and maybe more so than protests. And I think the players uh, are, are realizing that and they have the power to, to take action. And, and that's where, you know, it's, it kind of moved beyond the protests now and I'm sure you're still going to see it, but there's a lot more on the other side of that, you know, as far as action goes. Yeah. I mean, George Floyd was supposed to be the wake up call. And then you know, here we are a few months later, we're talking about what happened uh, in, in Wisconsin with, with Jacob Blake. And I think for players, you know, they're, they're looking at this saying, hey, didn't you guys hear us back in the spring? You know, we're, we're going to speak up again and, and make change. I mean, this is one of those things where, uh, you know, <laughs> we're in training camp mode, right? We're thinking football, we're talking football. But then, you know, we're seeing that these players are able to sort of do both and, and really sort of assert themselves and make it clear that, when change needs to happen, if they're not seeing it, they're going to step up and, and they're going to try and make it happen themselves. So well, keep, keep in mind too, that, that everybody's playing right now. You know, the NBA is playing when right. they're not normally playing and, and you, you know, under normal circumstances in a normal year, I think you would have those players in a position to really be uh, more activist, you know, than, than athlete right now and, and trying to do things, uh, concrete things instead of, okay, we're not going to play tonight, but we, we still got to play right now. If it was a normal year, we could actually be out doing things. The NFL obviously would still be in training camp. Baseball would still be going on. Um, but, and then, you know, earlier this year, obviously you were dealing with the pandemic and all that 
that, that involves. So it's a weird year all around, um, but I think that uh, the key here is that when these players on the Browns aren't playing, uh, when the offseason comes around, that, that this continues and that everything they're talking about now, you know, they're still talking about then and, and trying to put it into action. Right. And, and the other key, too, is having a player of the caliber of Miles Garrett and a player of the caliber of Patrick Mahomes, who was involved in that video uh, that they made, essentially calling out the NFL. Odell Beckham was involved in that as well. These, these big-time household name stars, having them involved and being spokespeople, uh, that, that's really that, – that's a significant moment for the league, especially as far as player empowerment is concerned. All right, we'll take a break here. Uh, I'll tell everybody about Football Insider, and then we'll actually talk a little football. Scott, you were out of practice. I was watching practice as well via the live stream, so we'll talk a little bit uh, about what you saw and what I noticed right after this. Time for me to tell you all about Football Insider, our tech subscription service, where me, Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Alice Williams will text you with the latest on the Browns news, analysis, what we're thinking, and more. You can text us back, and we respond directly to you cutting through the clutter of social media. You also get opportunities to get involved in this podcast and participate in roundtables and other events for our subscribers. It's like a little club and you want to get involved with this club. You even get a newsletter every day. It's got exclusive content you either won't see on cleveland.com or you'll see before anyone else. You know what though? Don't let me tell you about it. How about if you hear from some of our subscribers as to why they love Football Insider? I don't know why any Browns fan would not want to have this. It's great. There's something every day. I mean, it's really, really key, keeps me in touch with uh, the Browns. The daily newsletter that y'all put out there, I, I really like that. It's got a lot of links, a lot of different read-ups. I mean, just, you know, you get a lot of content. That's why I like it. If I'm at work or something, I need a quick break. I can hit that up and say, oh, and in a minute I can read uh, what you wrote and, uh, you know, see maybe that there's further information in, you know, one of your other articles or something like that. I get excited when I see, you know, my little text messages pop up. <laughs> so if you want to join us, you can start a 14-day free trial by going to cleveland.com slash browns and clicking on the box on the right side of the page. It's $3.99 per month after the trial. Or even easier, since it is a text service, pick up your phone and text 216 208 3965 to get signed up. Again, to start your 14-day free trial, text 216-208-3965. I'm back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Dan Lobby with Scott Patsko. The Browns did practice today for about an hour, and Scott, well, I'll throw it to you here initially because you were out there. You, you kind of got to see more than I did. Uh, what, what stood out to you today? Um, well, I wrote this, I wrote some observations after, after practice. And I think that the main thing was how many tight ends and running backs I saw on the field. You know, earlier in the week, I would written about how maybe Kevin Stefanski likes three wide receiver sets more than we thought based on, you know, the first 10 practices. And then he turns around today and it's, it's multiple tight ends, multiple, you know, running backs. And we saw a lot of that, a lot of fullbacks becoming wideouts and tight ends becoming fullbacks. So, uh, you know, that's something that, that you're going to see, I think, a lot from the Browns, the blurring of the lines between those positions. But they seem to be uh, really focused on that. The offense, which we know has kind of struggled. Uh, I came away from practice thinking, you know what, they look pretty good. Uh, I remember a lot, of, uh, a lot of good passes. And then I looked at my notes a little closer and realized that most of that was Case Keenum under, <laughs> under center. Uh, one of Baker's first passes was a tipped, tipped ball that it was a, a pick six. Um, but Case Keenum looked pretty good. He, he threw a deep ball to Donovan Peoples-Jones. 
Kwan Taylor showed up, uh, Steven Carlson, you know, guys who are maybe fighting for spots lower on the roster kind of stuck out a little bit today. Um, but that first team offense, I think, is still trying to get his feet under it. Um, you know, and they're, they're, they're kind of running out of time. Yeah, it's, um, it seemed to me like the offense was better, but you're right. I mean, one of the first things that I have written down is uh, the Elianku tip that Sione Takitaki picked off uh, on, on one of Baker Mayfield's first passes that I saw. And then a couple plays later, you get the deep ball from Case Keenum to Donovan Peoples-Jones. In the red zone, it seemed like the offense, the first team offense was a little bit better. Uh, couple of Rashard Higgins notes here so that's that's a good thing that's a guy we've been talking yeah. about and I think we were all a little bit surprised when Alex Van Pelt brought up Rashard Higgins like like you have said started off an answer about who stood out as the third receiver with Higgins and then ended an answer ended that same answer uh, with Higgins so you know he had a catch on a really nice throw from Mayfield in the corner uh, and, and this is an opportunity for Higgins with Kadera Lodge out for for personal reasons uh the rest of that wide receiver room still kind of questionable, you know, Donovan Peoples Jones had that catch, but then he, then he left practice. So he, he's been really inconsistent. Uh, so I, I think Richard Higgins may, I don't know, maybe Van Pelt was sending a message to him like, Hey, you got a chance here. And, and Richard Higgins heard it. And he's getting, uh, he's getting opportunities to be out there with Baker. It seems like they have uh, Landry and Beckham maybe on a, a rep count, uh, maybe because uh, they really kind of rotate out a little more um, and again they're both coming off off-season surgery so it makes sense but I think that kind of thing opens things up for for Higgins and he's you know he's obviously impressing impressing the coaches uh, Damian Ratley was back um, with about two weeks to go which is similar to what he did last year uh, he was I think it was a hamstring last year and he kind of finally made it uh, back onto the field for the final two weeks of camp and ended up making the team so uh, he was just in individual drills today, no team stuff, but, you know, there's another guy in the mix um, that that's going to, uh, you know, be someone they have to consider. And, you know, he's, he has more experience than, than a lot of those guys on the, uh, on the wide receiver depth chart. But again, he doesn't have the relationship with the staff that he had with the previous one. So we'll have to see how that goes. You know, let me ask you this about that third receiver. This just kind of popped in my head because Damian Ratley, right? This is a guy that is a traits player. He's super fast. He can run. Uh, we don't always get to see it in camp because he's dealt with, with hamstring injuries and, and soft tissue injuries pretty much his whole career, especially around training camp. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, again, kind of a traits guy. Rashard Higgins is more of a, we've seen what he can do. We know he's reliable. We know Baker trusts him. If you were building this roster, if you were putting this roster together, what would you value more in that third receiver? Would you want a guy like a Higgins who is, you know, he, you know where he's going to be, you know what he can do, but he is a little limited athletically, or a guy that can just blow the top off with his speed, a, a traits guy? I don't know if this offense is, is really looking for that guy who can blow the top off. I think it's more uh, a scheme where they want those sure-handed guys. Um, I mean, ideally, when you look at Beckham and Landry, you want that big receiver who's fast. Right. Uh, so you're, you know, have a guy who can get down the field. So Ratley or Donovan Peoples-Jones kind of stand out. Uh, but, again, this is more of an efficient offense that I don't know if those, if those uh, big air yard numbers are going to be there for Baker this year necessarily. So, 
maybe you want a guy like Higgins over that. I think at the end of the day, they just want someone who can catch the ball consistently <laughs> as that third guy. And I think Higgins certainly checks that box when compared to, you know, the other guys. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting with how they're going to deploy their tight ends, how they're going to deploy their, their backs. You almost have a lot, of, or you would hope that you have a lot of reliable guys. Uh, you know, we'll see. Harrison Bryan has obviously been really good in this camp. We'll see what happens when, when the lights come on. David Njoko, I don't know if I put him in that reliable class. Kareem Hunt, you can rely on. Uh, I would imagine, I think you've said this, that, that we're going to see Chubb catch the ball a little more this year. Uh, but I am curious what they value. And look, they're, you know, they're going to keep more than three guys. So maybe it's a situational thing. So you know, we need Richard Higgins on the field here on third and four. But on second and eight, if we want to mix it up a little bit and put three receivers out there or four receivers out there, maybe we want one of these fast guys. So that, that versatility, I guess, behind Beckham and Landry would certainly be helpful if a guy like Peoples-Jones or Damian Ratley or someone like that, Kaderil Hodge, could sort of emerge as a, a reliable target who has that speed and, and that game-breaking ability. Well, there's also JoJo Natson, who we've seen right? get tons of first-team reps. Not a big guy. I mean, he's like Gerald Ice Cube McNeil small. <laughs> I think he might be like five pounds heavier than, than McNeil was, but yeah, he's tiny. They had a drill today where they had the receivers running uh, underneath those, um, I guess I don't even call it, it's just like a bar. And most of the, you know, receivers have to duck to kind of make their cut, and it really didn't impact him at all. So, <laughs> but he is super fast. Taewon Taylor, very fast as well. He's been getting uh, uh, some quality reps, and uh, he's a guy that I think is in the mix. So um, they have speed uh, available here in camp. It's, you know, just how much do they want on the, on the death chart? You know, is it, is it five guys? Is it six? Um, Stefanski kept five last year. So we'll have to see what that yeah, it'll be interesting. That roster construction this year is going to – I'm really curious to see um, how Andrew Barry approaches that and what kind of influence Kevin Stefanski has on it as well because it's the first, that's the first time we're going to see Andrew Barry put together a 53-man roster. And I think one of the interesting things is, is we see them claim a guy off waivers who they immediately move to IR. And that tells me that, look, if there's a guy they like and they have an opportunity to snag him, they're willing to get him and wait. Uh, so I'm, I'm just really curious about some of these philosophies as we watch Andrew, Andrew Barry uh, build a roster. We're going to get some answers very soon, of course, and we'll talk about them here on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, which you should be subscribed to wherever you get your podcast. So this thing shows up right on your phone as soon as I hit publish uh, after we record. And of course, check out Football Insider. I told you about that a little bit earlier. We text you throughout the day with updates from camp and whatever else we are thinking throughout the day. So if you're a Browns fan, a hardcore Browns fan, especially you want to get involved with Football Insider. Uh, that'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. For Scott, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.